Hey, thanks for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and to help you live in the freedom and purpose that Jesus has for your life. Well, hello everyone. Great to have you with us. Uh, if I haven't met you, my name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here at LifeGate Church. And um, I just want to pray uh, before we kick off today. And then we'll dive into what God has for us. So, yeah, Father, we thank you that your, your goodness, your, your love, your unconditional love and mercy towards us is always there. And so we just pray as we unpack what you have for us today, we pray that you would challenge us in the ways that you're inviting us to live differently. We pray that we would see you and we would see ourselves in a new way. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, well, um, I want to start off with a little bit of a story. So, um, a few weeks ago, I had like the most massive week ever. Like, work was insane. I, I, some of you would know I've been having a lot of issues with my back. My back was playing up all week. And um, on this particular Tuesday, it was like the most chaotic day because I had... Um, I had a massive day of work and meetings. I had the creative night on that night. I was leading worship for it. And in between, after I finished work and just before I went to go lead worship, I'm, I'm checking through my phone, you know, as you do at the end of the day, check your messages and your emails and stuff like that. Big mistake. Because I checked my emails and at the top of my inbox, there was a letter threatening legal action against me. Oh, that got your attention, didn't it? And uh, so long story short, what happened was in November, um, because our house is old and brick, it gets quite hot. And so uh, because it was approaching summer, Christy and I decided, all right, we, we should probably get an air conditioner installed in our bedroom. For, for some reason, the previous owner put it in the guest bedroom and the living room, but not the main bedroom. And so we decided to get one installed. We got it all approved by Strata and the positioning and all of that was all good. And then the next day, our neighbor comes with a 30-page printed document about the Environmental Protection Act and the rules about air conditioners and legislation and all of that and says that there's an issue with the placement of our air conditioner. Um, and so we said, oh, we'll, we, we got it approved by Strata. Like, that's the same location as all the other buildings in the complex. And she said, well, the, the problem is, is that it's going to create a lot of noise and it's, it's going to disrupt me. And I said, well, we had it on last night. Did you hear anything? She said, no, I didn't hear anything. I said, Okay, well, if there's any issues with noise, like let us know. We can we can sort it out. We can work out what we need to do. Because um, she wanted us to get a cover for it when there wasn't any noise. And I said, well, if there's no noise, like let's just wait and monitor it. And if there's any issues, we'll deal with it. A few weeks go by, and we have our AGM for our complex. And the strata manager comes up to me at the end. And he says, he pulls me aside, he says, hey, I, I, I got a complaint from your neighbor 
Not about noise, but about the placement of the air conditioner. So can I take a look at it? He, he came out and took a look. He said, yep, that's fine. That's all good. And we left it there. So that was in like December. Then we go on holidays uh, all of January, early February, and uh, go back to work, forget all about it. And then a few weeks ago, I get this letter, which is from a legit solicitor. So she went to a lawyer. It says a number of things, a number of inaccuracies. Firstly, that we installed two air conditioning systems when we only installed one how it's impacting her as an elderly person and it's significant to her well-being and a whole bunch of other inaccuracies in there. Um, But uh, she would accept as a remedy to the dispute to stop things proceeding further if we were to pay for a quote for her to get double-glazed windows for her bedroom. (laughs) Now, the quote came through Four and a half grand for windows. I'd happily pay for her to move house, right? So, then what happened is I got this letter, I read through it. Christy was overseas, by the way, so I'm on my own. It's been a big week, my back's hurting. It's like the last thing I wanted, right? And then I start getting angry and I'm like, all right. I'm going to get her. (laughs) And so I'm thinking about all the ideas and what I can do. I'm like, maybe I can sign her up to a bunch of junk newsletters so her mailbox keeps getting spammed with random stuff. What what else can I do? Oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn on all three air conditioners at once and just pump her, right? (laughs) Not because I need it on, just because of the principle, you know? to defend my ground. Now, thankfully, I didn't do any of those things because it would have probably escalated things and made it a lot worse. But in the moment, I was like, this is outrageous. How can this woman do this? She hasn't even had a conversation with us. And even when I called the strata manager, he was like, this is so, like, intense. Like, she hasn't talked to anyone about the issue. She just went straight down to the legal action. I don't know how much one of these costs, but I estimate probably about 500 bucks, something like that, for a piece of paper that could have been dealt with, with a quick conversation. And so, I wonder, for you, have you ever found yourself in a situation where someone has hurt or wronged you, and your instinct was to retaliate or hold a grudge against the person? Maybe like me, you really want to get that person, right? Well, what if there was a better way to respond and one that requires trusting in God and expecting Him to make things right? And so we've been talking in our theme about faithful, being full of faith and trusting God with the outcome. And so this is what it says in Hebrews 11.1, and you may see it in posters around the church. And it says this, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And so today we're going to be talking about the inspiring story of David who was full of faith and trusted God with the outcomes of his life. And I really believe that we can all learn from his example. And so we're going to look at the story of David and Saul and how we can learn from David's faith to trust God in our own lives. 
And so here's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at the fact that David had unwavering faith. And he had unwavering faith because he had faith in God's plan and God's timing. He had faith in God's authority. He had faith in God's justice and faith in God's mercy. And so the context of this story is the story of David and Saul. It's found in the books of First and Second Samuel in the Old Testament. And David was a young shepherd boy who later became the king of Israel. Saul, on the other hand, was the first king of Israel, but he eventually lost his favor with God. Our focus today is on the relationship between David and Saul and how David's trust and faith in God guided him through difficult times. And so I'm going to read from 1 Samuel chapter 24. It says this, After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, David is in the desert of En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 able young men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. Now, I thought legal action was pretty extreme, right? But getting 3,000 men to chase after one man, that seems like a bit of an over-escalation of things, right? And so the story continues. It says this, He came to the sheep pens. Along the way, a cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. In other words, David's men are saying, Get him. He's here. He's using the bathroom. Now's the perfect time to strike. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterwards, David was conscience-stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his man, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. Then David went out of the cave and called out to Saul, My Lord the king... When Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. He said to Saul, Why do you listen when men say David is bent on harming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lay my hand on my Lord because he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe, but did not kill you. May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me, but my hand will not touch you. As the old saying goes, from evildoers come evil deeds, so my hand will not touch you. And so, from this story, there's a number of things that we can learn. And so the first thing we're going to look at is how David had faith in God's plan and God's timing. And it says this in uh, verse 4 and 7, it, it talks about how, um, you know, these men are trying to provoke David to take action. Go on, take action. He's right here. Get him. And David's response is no. Because he's anointed by God and the Lord forbids him. In simpler terms, the story shows a situation where David could have easily taken revenge on Saul, who was trying to harm him. 
David had the perfect opportunity and his friends were egging him on. But David chose not to act on their suggestions. Instead, David decided to trust in God's plan and timing rather than trying to control the situation himself. Now, this decision demonstrates great faith and self-control on David's part because he understood that it's not his place to take revenge, but rather to trust that God would take care of him and handle the situation in his own way. Now, like me, that urge to get even or, or to you know, make things right in your own way can be really strong. But we can learn from David's example that in our own lives, there may be times when we feel tempted to take revenge or retaliate against someone who's hurt us. However, like David, we should choose to trust God and let him handle the situation according to his plan rather than acting on our own impulses or desires. This requires faith and patience, but it ultimately leads to a more fulfilling and peaceful life as we learn to rely on God in all situations. And so some examples of this might be if a friend betrays your trust, instead of seeking revenge by doing the same to them, trust that God will heal the broken relationship and bring about peace in the situation. In the workplace, maybe you have a co-worker who takes credit for your hard work and maybe it's resisting the urge to retaliate by undermining them or spreading gossip and trusting that the Lord will bring the truth to light. If a family member hurts you with their words or actions, instead of holding a grudge and seeking opportunities to get even, pray for them and trust that God will work in their heart and bring about reconciliation. See, by focusing on trusting God's plan and timing in these situations, we let go of our need for retaliation and allow Him to work in our lives and the lives of those around us. This not only demonstrates our faith in God, but it also promotes peace in our own relationships. And so that's the first lesson, is we need to have faith in God's plan and God's timing. The second thing is we need to have faith in God's authority. And this is what David says to his men. He says, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is anointed of the Lord. And in this story of David and Saul, David recognized Saul as God's anointed and refused to harm him, showing deep respect for God's authority. The lesson here is to respect and honor God's authority in our lives, even when we don't understand his plan or when others may act against us. Some examples of what this might look like is maybe there's a leader at church that makes a decision you don't agree with, but instead of rebelling or trying to undermine their authority, why don't you pray for them and trust that God is guiding their leadership? If your parents or guardians, this is for the young ones, hope you're listening. If your parents or guardians set boundaries or rules that you find difficult to accept, remember to honor their authority as God's representatives in your life and trust that they have your best interests at heart. In the workplace, maybe you have a disagreement with your boss or supervisor, still show them respect and honor their authority, trusting that God has put them in that position for a reason. Or when a mentor offers you guidance or correction, even if it's difficult to accept, honor their role in your life and trust that God is using them to help you grow and learn. See, by respecting and honoring God's authority in various aspects of our life, we demonstrate our trust in His plan and His authority. 
And this attitude helps us grow humility, respect, and growth with relationship with God and with others around us. And so that's the second lesson we can take away, that we need to have faith in God's authority. The third lesson is around faith in God's justice. And in uh, 1 Samuel 24, 12, this is what David says to Saul, May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me, but my hand will not touch you. See, David trusted that God would be the ultimate judge between him and Saul, believing that God would avenge the wrongs done to him in his own way and in his own time. And the lesson here is to trust in God's justice and allow him to be the judge in difficult situations rather than taking matters into our own hands. Some examples of this could be maybe someone spread false rumors about you and instead of retaliating or trying to defend yourself, trust that God knows the truth and will bring that truth to light. Or when you witness an act of injustice, rather than seeking personal revenge, advocate for fairness and trust that God will bring about justice in his own time and his own way. Or in a legal dispute, maybe this one's for me, rely on God's wisdom to guide you through the process and trust that he will bring about a fair outcome rather than seeking revenge or attempting to control the situation. Or if you've been hurt by someone's actions or words, rather than harboring resentment or planning to get revenge or holding on to anger, pray for healing and trust that God will bring about justice and restoration in his perfect timing. See, by trusting in God's justice and allowing him to be the judge in difficult situations, we let go of our need to control the outcome and place our faith in his wisdom and his righteousness. And this reliance on God helps us to foster a greater sense of peace and trust in his plan, even in the face of challenges. So that's the third lesson. We need to have faith in God's justice. The last one is to have faith in God's mercy. Um, And this is what uh, it says. It says, This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lay my hand on my Lord because he is the Lord's anointed. See, David spared Saul's life, displaying forgiveness and mercy despite the harm Saul had caused him. And the lesson here is that as Christians... We're called to forgive others even when they wrong us and show them the same mercy that God has shown us through Jesus. Now, going back to my story, right? There's a few more details, some plot twists, if you will. So I found out we had a mediation between the strata manager, myself, and this neighbor. And um, firstly, in this whole process, you know when God says, love your neighbors? I don't think God meant this neighbor. But um, I found out, right, we had this mediation, we go outside and we look at the air conditioners, we turn them all on. Firstly, it turns out that the problem wasn't even with the new one we installed, but one of the ones that was already there when we moved in. Because I turned on the one that we just installed, it was silent. I turned on the other bedroom one, it was silent. So quiet that the strata manager was like, is it on? But our living room one was really noisy. And so we're trying to go, okay, well, what can we do to fix the situation? Like maybe we can move the condenser outside to an, you know, another spot. But if it's noisy, it's 
not necessarily going to fix the problem. It might just upset another neighbor. So we went, maybe we just need to replace the whole thing, right? But so that's the thing. In this process, she was talking about another air conditioner and had never brought this up. And on the day, she said that she has, she said a number of things, right? She said that she had accurate records going back for months of every time we use the air conditioner. <laughs> now, she'd never had a conversation with us. And even so far that um, in January, Annabelle was house-sitting for us, and she said, there was a young girl staying at your house, driving a black BMW and green P plates. <laughs> this, this is the license plate, and this is when she was using the air conditioner. Like... Uh, this lady needs a job, right? Like, she, she could work for, like, the federal police. And um, anyway, so obviously it could have been solved with a very simple conversation. But then she let out another piece of information, and oh boy. She said to the strata manager, she said... This really disrupts my routine in the morning, hearing all this noise, and it interrupts me reading my Bible. Oh. Plot twist, right? Because when we're talking about mercy, right? I, in my head, I'm like, oh, that's okay. She doesn't know Jesus. Like, she doesn't know what it means. To... And then I heard that, and I'm like... God, can I get her? I'm like, maybe I should tell her that we're pastors and if she doesn't cease and desist, she'll go to hell, right? Now, of course I didn't do that. These, these are the very bad thoughts in my head. Don't, don't copy these. Don't learn from them. Or actually learn from them. Don't do them. Anyway, and so when I got to this point about mercy, right, That's, that's the really challenging part. That's the really challenging part. But I was reminded of the mercy that Jesus shows us. And he shows it to us whether we ask for it. He shows it to us whether we deserve it. And so, if I really call myself a follower of Jesus, I need to extend the same even to those who hurt me or work against me. So maybe some examples for you. Maybe there's a friend or family member who apologizes for hurting you, and maybe you need to accept their apology and choose to forgive them and let go of any anger or resentment. If someone takes advantage of your kindness or generosity, maybe you need to continue to show them love and mercy, reflecting the unconditional love that God has for us. In a conflict or disagreement, be willing to extend forgiveness and seek peace, even if you feel that the other person doesn't deserve it. Or when someone, uh, if you've been wronged by a past relationship, working on letting go of any bitterness or anger, choosing to forgive and trust that God will heal your heart and bring about restoration in your life. See, by practicing forgiveness and mercy in our daily lives, we embody the love and grace that God has shown to us through Jesus. And this not only helps to heal our own hearts, but it also serves as a powerful story of God's transformative love, inspiring others to embrace forgiveness and mercy in their own lives. 
And so the fourth lesson is we need to have faith in God's mercy. And the, the last thing is the result of these things. We see in David's life that he had an unwavering faith. David consistently relied on his faith in God to guide his actions and decisions, even in the face of challenges. And the lesson here is that we should strive to have unwavering faith in God, trusting Him to lead us and protect us in every circumstance. And so some examples for you, maybe when you're facing a difficult decision, seek God's guidance through prayer and scripture, trusting that He'll direct your path and provide the wisdom that you need. Or in terms of financial hardship, as Belinda was sharing, trust that God will provide for your needs and continue to be generous with others, knowing that He is your ultimate source of provision. Or when faced with a serious illness or injury, lean on your faith in God to give you strength, comfort, and hope, and trust in His ability to heal and restore. Or in moments of doubt or fear, turn to God for reassurance and trust that he will never leave you or forsake you, even in the greatest of challenges. See, by cultivating unwavering faith in God, we develop the resilience and strength needed to navigate the ups and downs of life. And I think as we all know, there's many ups and there's many downs. And this solid trust in God not only helps us persevere through challenges, but also serves as a powerful example to others of his faithfulness and love to those around us. And so today we've looked at this idea of unwavering faith, how David had faith in God's plan and timing, faith in God's authority, faith in God's justice, and faith in God's mercy. See, being full of faith like David involves trusting God in every situation honoring his authority and believing in his justice. It requires demonstrating forgiveness and mercy towards others while maintaining unwavering faith in his guidance and his protection. And through these principles, we can navigate the life's challenges with resilience and with strength while reflecting God's love and grace to those around us. And so what does this mean for you? See, as we learn... From David's story, we're called to be people full of faith, trusting God with the outcomes of our lives rather than trying to control them. And when we face situations when we're tempted to retaliate or hold grudges, let us remember David's example and choose to trust in God's plan and his ability to make things right. And so maybe for you today, you've never decided to put your trust and your faith in God, in Jesus. And so I want to give you that opportunity to pray a very simple prayer with me that goes like this. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me and rose from the dead. God, I'm sorry for when I've chosen to live my own way. I choose to follow Jesus all the days of my life. Amen. And uh, I encourage you, if you prayed that for the first time, to come forward for prayer at the end because we don't want you to do the ups and downs of life on your own. We want to support you. We want to encourage you. We want to pray for God's best in those situations for you. And so let someone know. Come down for prayer afterwards. But for all of us, as we reflect on the examples that I've talked about today, I want us to commit to an action. And here's 
some of the actions. The first one is to reflect. Maybe what you need to do is you need to reflect on situations in your life where you may be tempted to retaliate or hold on to this anger. Maybe you need to pray for the strength and faith to trust God with that outcome. Maybe there's someone you need to forgive who's wronged you, just as David forgave Saul. Now, this can be a challenging process, but it's an essential step in trusting God and allowing him to work in your life and to finding that greater freedom and peace that I've talked about. Maybe you need to share your experiences with others, just as Belinda came and shared with us, right? Maybe your story of faith and trusting God can encourage and inspire others who may be struggling with similar challenges. And that's one of the beauties of being in a life group, right? Is as you gather in a house together, you get to hear how God is being faithful in other people's lives. And it encourages you when you're facing challenges in your own life. And the last one is maybe you can go deeper. Maybe you can dive deeper into God's word by reading the story of David and Saul and other examples of faith and trust in the Bible. And as you grow in your understanding of Scripture, you'll be better equipped to face life challenges with faith and trusting God. And that's one of the beauties of the the version plans we're doing, right? It's about doing it together. I know, I know Dave's got like 50 people he's doing it with at the moment. So if you want to be one of Dave's friends, you can go chat to him afterwards. But the, 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 but, but the beauty of it, right, is all of these plans that we're doing together as a church this year are all designed about growing our faith, about stepping out in greater faith, in expecting God to work in new ways in our life. And it's a journey we're wanting to go on all together. And so maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe you need to go deeper so that you can have greater faith and trust in God when those situations come. And so I'm going to invite the band up and we're going to end with some worship in a minute. But I want you to take 30 seconds to think about these things. Which, which step is it for you? Is it about reflecting? Is it about forgiving? Is it about sharing that with other people? Or is it about going deeper in the scriptures? Take 30 seconds to think about what you might need to do as a response to what God stirred up for you today. as we finish today I want to pray for us as we go into this week Father we thank you for the love and the mercy that you show to all of us thank you that your desire is for us to live a life free from the pain and the hurt of the past and so we pray 
We pray for us to be full of greater faith as we go into this week. We pray that we would have faith in your plan, in your timing. We would have faith in your justice, in your authority, in your mercy. God, help us to have unwavering faith as the challenges of life come and go. Remind us that we don't have to control the outcome, but we can trust you with the outcome, God. We thank you for everything that you've done today, everything that you're going to continue to do into this week. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, I, I want to invite the prayer team forward. And uh, if, if you want prayer, you can come and get some prayer. But we're going to sing about God's goodness, about the ways in which God's goodness can be seen in our lives, in how He is faithful. And I encourage you to respond in the way that you need to respond. If you feel like God stirred something for you and you really need to chat and pray that through, I encourage you to come forward for prayer. Maybe you just need to sit and reflect on something that God's brought up today. I encourage you to do that. Or to stand and sing and declare about God's goodness. So let's do that. Thank you, team. Thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations, and we'd love to help you get connected. My name's Andrew, and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church, and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to help you find community, get support and prayer, and take your next step. So why don't you connect with us and take your next step at lifegate.org.au and click the Next Step button.